something strange is happening to some ordinary people. Yeah, that's Jack. Real nice man. What do he do? Rob a bank? He's a law-abiding taxpayer, minding his own business. Killed 12 people, wounded 23 more, stole six cars, most of them Ferraris. If anybody deserves to go that way, sure in the hell's him. I've worked homicide for 13 years. I have never seen anything like this. You trying to tell me that she's part of this? Step out of the car slow. I want answers, and I want them now. Explanation won't help you. I want to know why it takes 15 shots to take down some zoned-out stripper. Why three law-abiding citizens all of a sudden go crazy and start killing people? We're talking spacemen here. Something gets in his way, he kills us. Finds a body, gets inside, uses it to move around. In the 21st century, a weapon will be invented like no other. This weapon will be powerful, versatile, and indestructible. It can't be reasoned with. It can't be bargained with. It will feel no pity, no remorse, no pain, no fear. It will have only one purpose, to return to the present and prevent the future. This weapon will be called the Terminator. You're dead, honey. What day is it? The date? 12th, May, Thursday. What year? Assigned to protect you. You've been targeted for termination. Why does it want me? Why me? Arnold Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. Your future is in its hands. Hello, everybody, and welcome to an Alien Minute Productions double feature. I'm John Engel. And I'm Mitch Bryan. And I'm welcoming our first-time guest, uh, Odia Poli, who is a filmmaker and a writer and just saw The Hidden. 
So I'm excited to, to hear about I'm that. Good. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I literally just watched The Hidden this morning, so I'm very fresh off of it. What did you think? So many green walls. That um, that police station is absolutely hideous, and I want to talk to whoever was doing locations because <laughs> it was just really hard to look at. But um, I was kind of astounded at the idea of aliens really just being into girls and cars. Like, I had never thought of that as a possibility. And I don't know, the whole time I was watching, I was just really sucked in by wanting to know what does this guy want like what does this alien want he's not it's not like skynet where it's just like straight up domination kill the humans done he's just kind of like he's been walking around for nine years just stealing ferraris i don't know it's really uh fascinating and different to me yeah it's a real punk rock movie i think in that sense and and we're going to bounce it off of the terminator today which was made two years earlier and we're a couple of significant 80s action science fiction hybrids and th in some ways they couldn't be more different and yet they're both LA movies and they both are kind of in the same genre so that's uh, I'm glad you mentioned Skynet because that's what we're going to sort of try to talk about um, John you saw the Terminator when you were a kid oh right? yeah yeah Terminator was a real early um I was allowed to watch it R-rated action movie kind of thing where I don't know why, but it was allowed and I was allowed to purchase the VHS and wear that out. Um, even before I, I had to think about it, I'm pretty sure it was a, it, still before I saw it before Terminator 2. So then Terminator 2 became this very, very, very exciting event for me uh, in 91, I think that was. And did you see The Hidden in between? No, no, I saw The Hidden. I didn't see The Hidden until a few years ago. And I don't even know how it came on my radar, but um, I think I mentioned it to you that uh, recently that I had a project that was eerily similar that got scrapped. Just, oh, well, this is way, way, way too close to the same thing as The Hidden. So, uh, so much for that script. But uh, it was really like there was even a point where people opened their mouths and something came out and went into the other person and then the other person became them and all that so that was in yeah it was just a few years ago that I saw the hidden and I actually didn't see it a second time until just a couple of weeks ago and Odie when did you see the Terminator the first time um the first time was probably a few years ago one day me and my family were trying to figure out what movie to watch after dinner and my father suddenly realized that neither of his kids had ever seen the Terminator and he was like I've got to show you you don't understand what Arnold Schwarzenegger means until you watch this movie um, and he, he loved it. He's a big explosions action guy. So that was the first time. And then I rewatched it, um, a couple of days ago and that was only my second watch ever. So how did it hold up? Um, I mean, I still like it this time. I noticed a lot more, um, about sort of like the holes in the sort of girl power thing with Sarah Connor. Um, because, I mean, my my experience with The Terminator is watching it with my dad and then just, like, trailers constantly. There's always a new one, um, and I've never seen any of them. But, like, there's just always explosions, and it's always this girl, Sarah Connor, and it's always this robot trying to kill her. Um, and as, like, time progressed, the trailers got more, like, girl powery, girl bossy. Um, but watching the original one, it's not super feminist i'll say it's got girl power but it's not like a super feminist movie which I, no one was asking it to be but it's just kind of really interesting yep. to me 
my daughter had the same reaction. She'd never seen it before, and we watched it a couple of days ago. And she's like, so when does she start kicking ass? And and when does she start just not running away? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you got to wait for the next one yeah. for that to happen. Yeah, it's the second one where she's learned it. She's, she's, an, she's old hat at this now, and she's learned everything that she um, – the survival methods, a lot of the things you see her learning in the first one are now she's expert at, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, from there she takes charge. Still, there's still conflict, you know. There's still, uh, there's a maternal conflict there that she's, I think she's trying to push away the maternal instinct a little bit in the second one for the greater good. But um, mm-hmm. it's interesting to watch her uh, have that conflict in the second one. It's, it's weird, too, because when you watch The Hidden, there's only one well there's two feminine presences in 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 the film and and one of them is very passive the the wife mm-hmm. and the other one is you know arguably it's not her agency that's that's uh, other than her dance that she's 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 not really controlling her body at all yeah so these it's it's it's, com- it's just so completely devoid of feminine power the hidden does a pure like hormadonna complex split like straight up like um, the wife character is the Madonna. She's mothering, nurturing, like queen of this little oasis where the cops can get away from like the man's world and all the hustle and bustle and shootouts and just like have some gravy and potatoes and like look at a kid and feel some feelings. Um, and then you switch to like women who are still out at night who are not doing what this wife is doing are doing bad things, interacting with strip clubs that are frequented by arms dealers and get possessed and jumped off, jump off roofs from like aliens. Like there's, there, there are two ways to be a woman in the hidden and you can either be a good one or you can like always be in trouble and be, you know, sort of cannon fodder almost. I, I guess I should also mention there's a there's a murder witness who's wearing uh, a leather jacket and a tutu yes. and combat boots. Yes, I love who, that outfit. Barely gets a, a great outfit, and she get, she gets almost no lines. It's, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a shame. Does she get a, she doesn't get any lines. Does she? she just says his name or something, and that's about it. And then we get her. Yeah. She's being questioned, but we don't actually hear her answer any questions. I don't think. Yeah, she's she's there for the outfit. That's a model. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We just need to know. We just needed to see a punk rock girl in a record store, I think. Mm-hmm. And then there's the two girls in Beverly Hills uh, that he tries to pick up mm-hmm. and that, that, that flip him off. That was hilarious. Uh, that, that he almost kills right there. Apparently, he's like, "Oh my god!" He goes for his gun. He's like, "Man, uh, that's a that's a strong reaction." That was to, when he pulled out the gun. I was like, "It really do be like that." <laughs> like, um, I don't know. That to me was really funny because I could tell it was supposed to be extreme. Um, and I'm sure to like the men writing it, it was, but like, that's kind of what you're always thinking when you talk back to a cat caller or something, it's like this, th- I could walk away or it could be the guy with the gun. And it was really yeah. a nice twist that the guy with the gun was also an alien, but like, I, it was an odd, like little flashpoint of realism for me. Well, it's funny. You could, you could probably take more away from it or they could have explored it further that what's really going on here is this guy, um, thinks he's, uh, you, you mentioned earlier, what does this guy want? I think what he wants is to learn what, what being a human is, right? But his version of what a human is is kind of the typical worst kind of male perspective, which is fast cars, rock and roll, taking money, hitting on girls. Because if you watch all these things that happen, like right before 
he hits on those two girls, he sees a guy hitting on a girl in the car. Mm-hmm. It's exactly, it's a one for one. He sees a guy in a car, like, beckon a girl into his car, and then he does it. And it's like, man, if they explore that further, you could see how um, you could be exploring the ideas of the, I don't know, if this just poor male example. Like, if you just followed the worst possible examples of male behavior, and this guy's kind of an infant, in a way, trying yeah. to learn how to be a human. Well, then our, our other characters, our Kyle MacLachlan characters, may be learning at least a little bit more of a human way of interacting, like family. He's had a family, and then he's seeing a human family, and so on but um yeah i think so that's it's a madonna horse split with the two aliens in a way. yeah it really is and one of them just can't run to save his life so many times watching this movie i was like wow if you just like moved it up not even full speed like half speed from where you are right now this movie could probably end here because you would get there in time um and that was really frustrating <laughs> Oh, that they can never they're always there's a, they're always a daylight and a dollar short they're always, they're always walking just after well, they're always walking, <laughs> literally walking. Yeah. It's true, I guess. I couldn't handle it. Until the end where they're running and it's all in slow motion. But I feel like that's just because this movie wants to take its time making you wait. Because it knows that, like, you, you're only going to take so many late arrivals until somebody has to die. Yeah, it's, it's, the engine is really just this body switching. Five, five body switches over the course mm-hmm. of this 90 minutes. And that is what drives from the movie. The, the two cops do almost nothing except just try to catch up with it. Yeah, them. they just miss, like, yeah. I think, I mean, you know, that makes sense. Then the way they box scenes and the way they had them sort of deliberately going through this, they really don't know what they're going for half the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And when they, when they finally, you know, right at the, right at the point that they think they've got it when the girl jumps off the roof and... Man, that damn dog just comes right in and interrupts them. Like they've almost had her, and yeah. and it's just little bits of bad luck. But it's kind of standard cop movie type of stuff when you're just a step behind the criminal that you're hunting down. So it makes sense from a genre standpoint for sure. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I appreciate that like the this sort of distance does close as you go because I think it would have it was infuriating in a way that kept me engaged um the way it spaced out but if they had kind of stayed really far behind until the end i don't think it would have had the same impact it's like who are you you're running with the hound or you're running with the foxes mm-hmm. and so we're running with the hounds in a weird way in in the hidden and we're running with the foxes in in the terminator we're being chased all through that yeah. and and obviously one carries more inherent suspense than the other one does yeah i think it works better in the terminator as a suspense engine the terminator is is kind of a perfect machine, you know, I guess, <laughs> literally and figuratively, uh, that we're able, we're with the Terminator from the beginning. He's the first character we're with. And then we come to uh, link ourselves emotionally to this uh, female character. And then there's this ambiguous character in between at first. We're not 100% sure what Kyle's all about uh, for a while. And there's a bit of mystery, but once it comes together, it all culminates in the club, in the nightclub scene. We're off and running things are very clear and very simple where the hidden is hidden's a little overcomplicated. You know, I think it's one of its uh, downfalls is that it's uh, well, at least in comparison to the Terminator, it's a little overcomplicated. It would have been almost kind of nice to just have it be a straightforward um, sort of horror stalker film the way Terminator is, but I don't know. It's not exactly the same genre, but no, but I think you're right because the protagonist in the hidden we don't spend time getting to know him hmm. before Lloyd shows up. Lloyd shows up on 
10 minutes into the movie and 10 minutes into the Terminator, uh, Kyle Reese steals the shotgun out of the, out of the police car. Right. But the time it spends with Sarah saying, this person is, this is the protagonist. This is the person you're going to care about. This is the person who's through whose eyes we're going to tell the story. It never quite does that with Beck. He, he, you don't get that. And maybe that's because he's not personally in jeopardy the way right. that Sarah is. No, yeah, and he's not the, he's not the focal point at all. And even when you do get his life at the uh, at the dinner, you know, at home, he doesn't seem to really. I don't know if it's just the performance or he doesn't seem to care that much. Like it's not like wow, we're seeing this beautiful. What a family! It's not like another movie that I draw comparisons with. The hidden weirdly is Lethal Weapon. They were made about the exact same time, and they have a lot of weird similarities to them as far as how they look. And then there's this taking the partner home for dinner for the first time scene, which is straight out of Lethal Weapon. And yet when you watch Lethal Weapon, boy, you know that family. Like there's so much to, there's so much richness to the family and the family relationships there. And you understand Riggs's point of view when he sees the family like, okay, this is something I don't have. Where in here, it's just kind of like, we're almost just creating a juxtaposition between Kyle McLaughlin's character and the other, just to see how weird he can be in this very normal situation. Yeah, I mean, the family scene in The Hidden definitely felt like stock characters. Like, the second he sort of is like, I'm bringing someone home for dinner, I'm like, oh, I guess it's time for this scene again. Like, um, just felt like uh, all everything I've seen that uses that trope has come after this, but I was like, immediately clued in. Like, it's time, it's time for the hometown cop to re remind the FBI guy what a family is and what it's like to have feelings and then something's going to happen and they're going to have to leave in the middle of the night and like that was exactly what happened but there it was also a nice scene because I didn't really care to know the family I was enjoying trying to figure out if Kyle McLaughlin was an alien or not yeah and yeah. his performance definitely takes that's what you get out of that that scene it would be a totally stock scene except Kyle McLaughlin's amazing and he's giving this very strange alien performance underneath that face and um that's what elevates it just enough I mean the both of these movies one thing I want to bring up um concerning both these movies is how they could have very easily both been just 80s home video rentals you know they're the neither one of them necessarily had to be elevated above that, but they are. I think they both are. The Terminator maybe a little more so, but um, what do you think are the elements, Mitch, just to ask you, what do you think are some elements of both these movies that take it beyond some of the more forgettable 80s stock genre films that uh, I think there's some similarities to here? Yeah, I, I, I think that the Terminator is an epic, mm -hmm. and I think that the Terminator manages especially because of the way it, it gives us those flashback scenes and gives us this whole other world of the future, it has a resonance to it, and the stakes are so high right. that, that that's the thing emotionally, I think, that makes The Terminator work so much better than The Hidden in a way. I mean, I think The Hidden is sort of a throwaway movie. It's a punk rock movie. It's kind of like, ah, what if the aliens wanted to drive fast cars and pick up chicks, right. you know? And that's, it kind of, it doesn't really go beyond that, that joke. I do wonder if the hidden had been, if the Michael Nori character Beck, if Beck had been like a female cop, mm -hmm. would that have made it a more interesting movie? You know, is there also that dynamic that's just kind of missing? The the the, you know, the sexual slash emotional 
dynamic. It's just, just kind of absent. I don't know. Odie, you have any thoughts about that? I mean, just on a one-to-one, like, hidden Terminator comparison, I kind of disagree, because I could have done without... I mean, I know it's sort of central to the plot, but I <laughs> there's a really weird dynamic to me about the sort of romance in Terminator that I was kind of glad was not there in The Hidden. Like, um, I am also kind of puritanical about movies. I often find, like, sort of romance and sex scenes to be superfluous unless that is the point of the film. Um, Because often it's just an excuse to see, like, a female character who hasn't talked much and hasn't done much, like, be naked for five minutes and then move on. Um, But I also... I don't know. When I watch the the romance in the Terminator, all I can think about is like this person who was born way after you has spent his entire life like thinking about you and thinking about this moment and like Sarah doesn't know that. Um and and there's also the thing that Sarah is being asked to do in this movie, which is like become a myth, become this sort of mythical mother, become this sort of like proto queen of the revolution that she knows nothing about um and it all kind of culminates in that moment where all these things that are going to happen to her and have sort of been decided because that's how the timeline plays out um only happen because this person comes back in time to not kill her and also father her child like she it goes beyond just saving her from a future threat and becomes thrusting her into this narrative um and the only reason the terminator comes back to kill her anyway is because she's thrust to the narrative it all circles around in a way that's really hard to like fight against because you can't have any part of the story without it but at the same time i just really like that part really bothers me um because yeah and is there a version of this where she doesn't have to be the the mother of john connor is there a version of this where she could have just become the head of the the queen of the revolution or something or somebody else fathered or she fathered john connor but not with kyle reese i don't I, think i'm just so. trying to i think that yeah. she becomes sarah connor like bold type because of her experiences running from the terminator and you know getting thrust into this narrative without seeing firsthand how a terminator can't be killed without seeing firsthand all the death and destruction that precedes and follows her being found by this robot without hearing all the stories of the future about dogs know when the robots are here and um you know this is what we eat in the future and we hide and we fight and we do this and we need a b and c skills so you have until 2029 (laughs) to learn them and teach them to your child um like all of that context is not there. She's just sitting having her regular suburban life until Skynet takes over. Yeah. So she's got to have that kid, mm-hmm. which means she's got to have sex with Reese. Mm-hmm. But it's but it's so determined. It, it is. It, it feels like the pressure is so harsh on that scene, like to make us believe this, to make us believe she's going to say, yeah, let's let's have sex right now in the middle of all of this. Uh, yes, you've fallen in love with your Polaroid picture of me, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a lot. Yeah, It's asking a lot of her. I mean, her decision to sort of sleep with Kyle Reese is her decision to like accept her own dehumanization and just be like, all right, I guess I'm going to be this person now. Does it remove her agency as a character? Do you think agency is hard because how much, 
how much agency is she starting with by that point? Like, her her roommate is dead. Everyone she know knows that she's last been seen at the police station that's blown up and full of dead people. Like, she's effectively sort of disappeared. Her mother is dead and she doesn't even know it. Like, her entire life has kind of been dissolved in front of her eyes in, like, what, 24 hours maximum? Um, does she really have a choice at this point? It's not agency if you don't start from a place of actually having options. It's just kind of, your, her only agency is how she feels as this happens and she decides to be proactive about it. But it's gonna happen by the time she's sort of making the decision to accept it and like lean into it. Sarah Connor in the first Terminator is where I you really feel it's a horror movie in a lot of ways. She's got scream queen tendencies as far as how she's written. So she's on the run. It's a woman on the run, learning a little bit as she goes. And then she takes charge in the end when she has to, uh, saves herself in the end. But yeah, it is hard to say uh, much about agency with Sarah Connor because really she's unwitting for what, I don't know, the first half of the movie. She's in denial for a ch big chunk of the movie. When she finally comes around, she has sex with the guy and then goes back on the run again. You know, it's, it's interesting to look at it from that yeah. perspective. And it's like, to her it's credit, she is proactive about it she does accept the mantle of sort of saving humanity um but i just watching that myself as like a woman in her 20s like i'm sorry i would have laid down and died i would have been like i'm not i'm not gonna survive all of this and have a baby and raise the baby and teach the baby <laughs> to lead a revolutionary war like y'all find somebody else somebody else can do it <laughs> but you are already that person so you can't they can't find somebody else to do it. that's the the tricky thing about the terminator series yeah the it's, fundamental conundrum makes it all the more shocking that over these decades they continue trying to make them like leave well enough alone you got away with it the first time you got away with it the second time but leave well enough alone because now i'm just confused every time i watch yeah, a new terminator movie i'm like how does this work now i don't even know the rules anymore you did a pretty good job getting us to buy this thing that's completely absurd in the first place. It's not a comedy like Back to the Future, no. so you can't sort of just, you know, stick your tongue in your cheek and call it a day. Right. Um, which, to, to bring it back to The Hidden for a minute, I I feel like The Hidden is ultimately a comedy. That, that that's the outrageousness of it is kind of what helps carry us along um, and, and, and sort of buy it and not have to put a lot of emotional investment into it um, so my question is was there ever a point in the hidden where you were emotionally invested in the movie since oh since you just saw it last week i don't think so i i was definitely comedically invested like from the car dealership when the guys hop out and they're so full of themselves and then the next time you see them they're just like elbow deep in some cocaine doing this car deal i was like this is this is hilarious this is exactly what i think the 80s is based on every movie i've watched um and you're just giving me all of it all at once all the time um but i don't think actually no you know what when the when he poured it into the stripper i was concerned because i was like i don't know she was just minding her own business you know she was just trying to leave work um but even then it was out of more concern for like the people he was taking over rather than like any sort of world domination thing i don't think i ever really believed that the villain wanted to take over the world yeah i think that's a problem we were talking about stakes earlier mm -hmm. um 
I'm not sure there really are. They're, they're not very high, like Mitch said. It's, it's a punk rock movie. It doesn't really care that much about them, which kind of makes it a little silly when they try to do it at the end by the guy declaring he's going to become president. It's like, now this is this movie? You know, it's it's fine, though, because, again, with the punk rock sensibility to it, it kind of doesn't matter. I'm kind of into it. Um, yeah, but, yeah, I think that that was what the um, – in the commentary track, they were saying that the writer really hated it because um, – he ended it with it being in the senator and leaving, and that was the end of the picture. Right. And so, so you were left with this: "Oh my God, the monster is going to become the president of the United States." And they clearly decided that that wasn't how they wanted to end this right. picture, and they went with a different kind of ending. You know, I would say that I, I, I think I do get just a little bit emotionally involved in the very ending, mainly because of Kyle MacLachlan, because I think he sells it. All through this movie, he sells it. Without him, I think this movie is... I was going to say, going back to my earlier question, without Kyle MacLachlan, this thing is on on the video shelf and not much else, I'm thinking. Somehow he elevates it with his performance, as he has a few times in his career. And um, in the end, when he sacrifices himself to let... I guess he sacrifices himself? It's such a bizarre thing. If you think about it too much, it's like, wait, or is he stealing this guy's family? <laughs> Which one is it? Is he, is he helping this guy's family or is he just integrating himself into their family? It's kind of a bizarre, uh, it's kind of a mind bender there because you're like, it seems so sweet what he's doing. What a, he's really helping these, this lady. And, but also he's kind of getting his family back that he lost earlier. It seems a little selfish. Anyway. The little girl seems to, seems to, to, to smell that something's, something's not quite right, yep. even though she does reach out and take his hand. She's, she's on to him, I think. Yeah, she, well, you get the hint of that earlier. She's, she's on to him at home, too. She knows something's wrong with that guy when he comes over for dinner. So, yeah, it's a, it's a strange ending, but I, I dig it. I like, I like how that ends. It, it's a nice, and like I said, I think McLaughlin's, the way he sells that performance there, I'm in. Uh, just enough. What a perfect place. If you're going to get me in emotionally, do it at the end, and then I'll, I'll leave thinking I was emotionally connected to the movie. That ending is definitely like a personality test, though, because it, it's it's just vague enough that you can either believe that, yeah, he did kind of body snatch without the whole gross physical transfer thing happening, and he's like stealing a family, and the daughter's like, oh gosh, that's totally an alien, that's not my dad. Or you can be like, no, he just gave him whatever thing makes them not die and the daughter knows that there's some something afoot but her dad is back like i watching that ending i thought the first one because i'm an incurable pessimist and then i was like but the second one would be really nice i'm gonna hope that it's the second one um i hate to Um, tell you but it's the first one it's definitely the first one. I don't know. No, it is. I mean, they different species. Says different so. species of aliens. Like yeah. Like he, the the other guy could never put your put white light, you know, magic into any of those um, victims because you have to put that horrible bug into them. But I think he's a different different type of alien from a different planet, so he has different powers. Well, Jack Shoulder specifically says that it's, it's he's in he's now the guy. Like so, the director himself says that's the case, but also the fact that he dies from it tells you that he transferred himself oh, yeah. if he doesn't that's die there that's one thing but it's if it to me kill the fact that he dies is what told me but then then the director himself said yep in the case we're wondering about this ending it's he's transferring himself into his body that's actually what's happening thank god the director's not around to screw up um our optimistic interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> oh no it's it is weird you almost want it to be 
he was trying to have the sweet moment there with that. He's the little girl does take his hand. You almost want it to be more Phil Kaufman spotty snatchers where she like points at him or something like, "No, not my daddy," and it's real creepy, daddy. eerie ending. But whatever, that would have been that would have been convoluted a little bit. Or at a minimum, some kind of talk where he can pull her aside and be like, "Listen, I know you know. Let's just be <laughs> friends and like <laughs> quash it there or some something." Yeah. Yeah, I guess it goes with its punk rock sensibility to kind of not give us, not really give us what we what we really positively want. Maybe gives us what we what the negative version of us wants, but not the positive. Yeah, it. Jack Shoulder and James Cameron are very different filmmaking entities. Yeah, and to me, I'm just glad to I, I'm glad to walk away from the hidden. It's just a fun, weird movie. That's fine with me. I think it works really well on those levels. It's very entertaining to me. Um, there was a hidden two, I yeah. guess. I never saw it. Uh, no, it, no, John? and I heard it was really bad, like really bad. So no need, no need to go there. It's fine. Well, I think the other thing too is where does where does the hidden come from? It comes from New Line Cinema. Mm-hmm. What was what was Jack Shoulder's previous job directing Freddy Part Two? Mm-hmm. And so there's New Line always had this kind of, you know, they were always kind of a B movie company, whereas Orion and Hemdale had these higher aspirations I a guess, little bit in terms yeah. of the market and and it proved to work out that way terminator made close to what it made 70 70 million dollars or something like that um and and the hidden made 9.5 so yeah that's a big difference i mean yeah the terminator was a giant hit uh, on home video as well i mean i remember terminator posters in my friends rooms i remember Things like that, you know, all the way through up into the 90s. Uh, and so when Terminator 2 came out, highly anticipated. The Hidden didn't work out at all. It was, you know, like I said, I didn't even see it back then. You know, nobody even, it wasn't even on my radar back then. So, um, yeah, slightly different reactions to those movies. But, you know, you got Arnold in one. You've got like an emotional core to one that's maybe not present in the other. And you can see the difference. It's the, it's funny how many of the same locations show up in both movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the car chase at the very beginning of the hidden goes under that underpass that has the big open spaces at the top, and and that same underpass is used at night in the Terminator when um, Arnold gets out of the police car and they and the cops arrive to take Sarah in, yeah. and then Hollywood Boulevard, and it's just funny how how it is the same Los Angeles but a totally different a different take on it. Yeah. Odie, have you seen a, a lot of other '80s action movies? Um, I don't think so. My sort of repertoire of what I've seen is all over the place and mostly based on what was showing on HBO at any given time in my life. Um, but I did see Streets of Fire very recently, actually. Um, and so thinking about that, they love fire in the 80s, huh? Like, just yeah. fire everywhere, all the time. Um, and I did think it was interesting that fire is kind of well the ultimate and sort of penultimate um weapon in the toolbox for both the hidden and um for terminator um because that 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 was really interesting to me because it doesn't happen as much now like fire is part of spectacle but it's not as much of a tool that you can like use um so i don't know where i'm going with that thought but that was no it is interesting it's like I, i always wonder whether the um 80s the people that are making movies in the 80s grew up watching horror movies where fire was always the thing that you would use to to kill the monster you know and and of course in in even in alien 
they use flamethrowers to try to get the thing. Mm -hmm. So there is something about it that I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, and, and, and when it comes out of the fire in the Terminator and we realize it's not enough, we think for a minute it burned it all up, but nope, that's not going to work. That's, that's a, maybe that's just sort of saying so much for fire folks. I mean, it definitely speaks to sort of a like transitional line and like anxieties and the social consciousness because that's also about like you can't sort of defeat a technological obstacle the way you could have. Um, that feels very much like approaching sort of the line between like old 20th century and like moving into the 21st where it's like yeah you can't just dismantle this thing and make it go away you can't just burn it or blow it up and make it go away it's still going to be here um and even with the hidden the thing that i always think about with body snatcher movies is like we're afraid of impersonation right we're afraid of somebody doing things with our face that we wouldn't do um and that sort of makes it almost still prescient to me today because I, I always think about alien movies in terms of identity theft. Um, and that's something that happens, not just identity theft, but like impersonation to sort of address a or advance a certain agenda happens a lot on the internet. And, and that was kind of what that felt like to me, just like as a parallel. So I don't know, it, they're, they're very dated in some ways, um, in, in the best possible way with like practical effects, but also still like extremely relevant today. Like, I feel like I could show someone, um, my brother's age, the hidden, and they would really enjoy it. Yeah, it has become, identity theft has become the, the, the great digital fear. Mm -hmm. So it, it is prescient in that sense. You know, speaking of the practical f effects, um, I was reading that. Did you read that article from Cine Fantastique that, um, where they were talking about effects in the Terminator? I worked through about uh, half of it, and then I decided my phone screen was too small. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I, we should try to put it on the site or something. But I didn't realize until I read that article how much of the truck stuff in the Terminator is a model. Yeah, yeah. And so I was watching really close, and I did catch one shot where you can see the, the string, the fishing wire, pulling. It's just for couple of frames but you can see it pulling the truck toward camera but a lot of that truck stuff was done with models yeah. and the explosions amazing it, i was totally fooled by it yeah that's true that's jim cameron man he's he's just really really good in that practical era um i think you know all the way up to the point that he started dealing with liquid <laughs> morphing and all that stuff really good at selling effects man he just knew exactly how to do it i think working with carpenter helped him a little bit and all the Corman, you know, being in Corman's camp helped him, but he was just had a knack. Like, and you could watch when we went through Aliens piece by piece the way we did. You could tell where the models were, and he had it was like he knew when to perfectly cut to, you know, the close up of Pharaoh flying the ship down from the model. Like, oh, it's the perfect place to cut to sell this to me because I was my brain was just switching over to that's a model. You know, if you watch it closely, you're conscious of it, but at the same time, you know that the first time you watched it, you weren't. And he's really good at, at orchestrating that kind of effects sequence. Uh, it's I think it's part of what set him, uh, you know, above everyone else at that period of time and got him to where he is now. So, Odie, when you saw the stop motion robot, um, did you recognize that as stop motion animation or did you know what was how that was happening? Immediately, immediately. But that's just uh, sort of being a product of like my time, right? I. The first, like, 3D animated movies that I was watching were, like, Bugs Life and stuff, where it was already pretty advanced. So 
for me spotting practical effects spotting claymation like it's it's kind of it's not hard for me to see I guess um but at the same time I was still 100% into it I think you can kind of if a movie has done enough to make you buy into it from the jump um even if you are someone who has grown up kind of with effects that are worlds beyond what was do what was happening in the 80s and 90s um you can still really enjoy it because you can uh, absorb that into your sort of suspension of disbelief um but yeah i mean the second it cuts to the model his head is like 75 percent size so that just immediately and then the like his skin texture is different um yeah i could totally see it well and that since you're talking like, about the like the mirror scenes mm-hmm. well that's a, yeah that's the animatronic effects those are yeah. pretty i mean i think they're pretty good but you're right well even back then i was like flat out new when when they switched yeah. but i did you know what it, it sometimes with effects it's about what you choose to use the effect on yeah so you're telling me this guy's you're telling me this guy's a cyborg you can go ahead and and go a little fake on me. I'm fine with that because he's a machine, you know. And so when he goes to, to stop motion, and he's the endoskeleton walking around, um, it can it can look choppy and stop motiony, and that's fine because he's a big robot. Now, yeah. when you try to tell me that, you know, more talking about the digital age, when you try to tell me this digital model is an actual human being, I have trouble. That's where I have trouble. So, to me, at that time, it was about you know being shrewd about what you use these kind of. Um, crude effects on if you tried to go too far with it that's where people that's where it gets silly and you lose your uh similitude a little bit there's a sort of storytelling honesty to practical effects that sort of disappears when you get into digital art like Mm -hmm. you always you always know when an effect is practical right but you respect it because a practical effect is like also sort of a reminder that hey i'm telling you a story right but you don't punch the storyteller for being like (laughs) i'm just telling you a story um you punch the storyteller when the storyteller finishes the story and tries to tell you that it all really did happen and that's sort of like where digital effects are going where they want us to really believe that this is all real and the computers just aren't quite there yet um and that sort of like it's not lack of honesty per se but it's less of a radical honesty than just putting up a clay model and being like this is a story so i hope you believe it Right. I like that idea of when you get to punch the storyteller. So Zoe, my daughter, said to me um, when when the stop motion skeleton pops up, she's like, "So did that? Did you think that was cool back then?" And and it's so interesting to try to kind of get for me anyway to get hold of that because of the because of my age and the nostalgia that stop motion carries for me so you know you see that and you think jason and the argonauts and you think ray harryhausen or you think go all the way back to king kong and it's like well it is cool but it's not cool like i can't recognize the artifice of it there's just something nostalgically to me you know touching about stop motion even the even the tauntauns and the adats in in empire strikes back are stop motion and i remember seeing those in the when those movies happened and going oh my gosh that's that's stop motion that's not real doesn't hurt it at all for me but it's it it does something that i can't quite put my finger on and me too. so i you know Odie, you probably have a different perspective in terms of just that what stop motion means probably to you right to me, stop motion is every movie that was thrown on to entertain the kids at daycare from like the beginning of my life to after school programs in fifth grade. And um, 
you know, it's not nostalgic per se, but it's just like, I, I, okay, I know this is an old movie. Um, but I kind of, I think I get the question that was being asked, because I think the thing I always question when I see the stop motion robot in Terminator is like, did you guys really think that this is what like robots would look like? Um, and a good sort of comparison point in just in terms of like two different times executing the same thing very differently would be Westworld. Um, Cause I saw the original before I started the show and sort of the ways the, ways the robots work um, in each version is so different, but so much more plausible in one. Um, and it adds sort of a different quality to it, right? Than just sort of being presented with a robot and being like, I'm gonna believe this, ro- this is a robot because it's a story versus being presented with something where someone really sat down and was like, okay, and I guess this is how that would work and this is how the muscles would go. Because there's stuff that the Terminator does where I'm just like, uh, if this is a robot skeleton inside of like some kind of proto-muscular whatever, like, and you cut the arm, like, the muscles shouldn't work anymore. I don't understand what the mechanics are here. But in like more modern stuff, because we have access to research about advanced robotics, you get more of that realism. Um, and it, I think it sells the story differently. I'm not going to say that it sells it better because they're doing totally different things. To me, it's about how far are you going to go to show me that you've studied advanced robotics and how much is that going to take away from the story you're telling as opposed to the details of the story you're telling. So sometimes I think that's the, that's the uh, a lot of things these days don't balance that well enough where you feel like, oh, well, Oh, you're, this is, you know, you're giving me a science presentation versus keeping the story moving. Let's get the momentum. Let's keep it going. I'd rather have, I'd rather have it be totally fake and keep the mood story going than stop and show me um, all this stuff, depending on what the story's about. But, um, yeah, I mean, to me. That's that obligation to explain that has just gotten so completely out of hand. Yeah. I mean, for me, Westworld's killing me because I just wish everybody would just shut up yeah. and just do <laughs> what you do. Don't explain it to me all the time because it's really, it's, it, I don't know if that's the Jonathan Nolan effect or I don't know who to blame it on, but there's, the exposition is just like, oh. and at least you look at, The Hidden doesn't explain hardly anything, and The Terminator is very strategic in how it attempts to give up the exposition and it does a lot of it visually with those you get a lot of mileage out of those flashbacks to kind of go this is how the world Mm -hmm. works in the future deal with it you know um westworld's a little trickier i think in terms of how how much it decides it needs to explain i mean you can absolutely i've got to apologize to my millennial and zoomer brethren before i say this but you've absolutely got to blame the internet for this commitment to realism Mm -hmm. um in an age where all information is accessible and anyone can look up how something would actually work there's always going to be some dude bro or cis bro sitting on a forum somewhere like well if you actually had cut the tendons of the elbow then the terminator shouldn't have been able to shoot the da 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 like if any if anybody can look up how anything is supposed to work and also how every other story since we started writing them down has been structured that anybody can sort of bring up those nitpicky things and sort of attack your lack of commitment to realism but i think the more sort of stories i consume and the more stories i try to write the more i realize that like facts and fiction really just do not mix very well for very long yeah that's always the big argument with history movies 
I, I prefer my darling Clementine, even though it has really nothing to do with the real Wyatt Earp. You know, yeah. so it's 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 almost a non a non-starter of a discussion if you're going to start going into what's real and what isn't because movies aren't real. I was just going to say I miss the days where you could really say it's just a movie. Just watch. I mean, there's value to be taken in other ways from a movie than historical accuracy, scientific accuracy. There's truth. There, there could be truth without it being accurate, you know, and it feels like you can't say that anymore. People condemn you for saying things like that, you know, on Twitter and so on. I think we just kind of got to ignore those people. But at the same time, it does seem like some filmmakers, studios, whoever's deciding what goes into a movie, they're taking it a little bit to heart. So I don't know. We could talk a long time about finding the culprit for this problem. Lost. J.J. Abrams and the whole bad robot style of storytelling, which is, which is supposed to be so mysterious, but then it becomes real explainy as it goes along. But, uh, yeah. So, sorry I interrupted you there, Eddie. No, you're fine. I just kind of adding on to that, well, I agree with you that it would be nice to be able to say, like, this is just a movie, let's chill out. Um, but there's also, like, I, I think an odd obligation to kind of, parse or like pick and choose where where you want to insert your realism that would make your story better right rather than committing to everything being absolutely as plausible as it possibly could be if people could think about what like you said what truths they're trying to show or dispel with the story that they're telling and then coordinate around that I think a lot of these complaints would go away because if you make a sci-fi movie and it's about aliens but it's actually about being a human person like the hidden is you don't really need to explain the aliens that much for us to get into it and sort of start thinking about what you really want from us like Mm -hmm. i think that's the balance that's been lost like we've just gotten so bogged down in like i can explain all of this that we've forgotten like part of crafting a good story is is that choice of what you're going to divulge and when yeah yeah and how the movie sort of convinces you at the outset that you can trust the storyteller or at least willing to give them as much goodwill as they can earn in the first 20 minutes or so of of the film that that's that makes a big difference and i think both of these movies with different strategies do that i mean they 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 create they create a provocative mystery at the beginning, just the simple what what the heck is going on and why am I watching this and who who are these people that seem to have come out of nowhere, um, and and they start to build up a lot of goodwill. I don't know which I'm. I would guess that the Terminator hooks me emotionally sooner probably than the Hidden does, um, but at the same time I've got to go through some pretty cheesy exposition stuff watching Sarah at work. I'm always amazed at the at the ice cream in the dress. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad, and it always and yet it gets this laugh. You know, it gets a laugh because it's so bad, I guess, and also because it's like you don't see this every day where some kid's going to put ice cream in your in oh. your pocket. But it, it, the film works with these weird broad strokes as if to almost try to trick us into believing we're watching real people, but they're not. Do you even think? Uh, to, uh, I didn't really think about this until just now. Do we even need that scene? Like, couldn't we have just gotten Sarah at home with the roommates? And I, to me, that's where I think, I don't even think about that Richard scene. I've seen that movie a bunch of times. And when that scene started the other night when I was watching, I was like, 
oh yeah, she works at the big boy or whatever. Oh yeah, I had to, I, I had to go. Oh yeah, but boy, I re, I always remember the scene where the with the fake where she answers the dirty call and all those things are so much better. Like to me, it's kind of funny and and you see the relationship between them and so you get the tragedy of their being killed and all these things. What does the restaurant scene do exactly now that we're talking about okay. it? I, I don't know. I, I don't anyway. know what the roommate stuff does either. Yeah. I mean, that's I, again, like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I believe any of it. That's what's so weird about it. I, I, well, I don't, I, I believe a Ferrari going really fast and crashing through everything somehow in the hidden. I have a, I have more trouble believing the humans at the beginning of the term. Interesting. I don't know. Oh, do you want to take a whack at that? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I totally adore the sort of roommate based stuff because I'm absolutely the person who's like blasting music and like dies because they can't hear anything. Um, but I mean, the roommate stuff definitely is like, here is Sarah Connor. She is a normal person. And it also kind of establishes where she's at in her life, right? Not uh, taking self-defense classes, not preparing for like a child or anything like that. You know, she's it establishes her as a young woman at the beginning of her life. Um, I agree that the, I don't understand the point of the stuff where she's at work, except to sort of get her out of the house before the Terminator shows up to kill her roommate. Um, I watch that scene and I'm always like, I guess because her co-workers recognize the name on the news, they make sure that she sees the other Sarah Connor has died. But it seems like a really long way to do something that probably could have been like her catching the news on the way out the door to a date. Um, like that that whole thing could have been compressed down for what i can see that it does in the plot um but i mean the stuff with her roommate is definitely like that's the most sort of humanizing she gets before she immediately snaps back into this myth in the making that must be protected the line that a co-worker says to her when she goes honey you're dead is really when you look back at it, it's like, oh yeah, she kind of is. Like the the old Sarah Connor, if she's not dead, she's on her way to being dead pretty darn quick. She's gonna become something else. It's some for it's some dark foreshadowing, but it's completely lost against like all the bright lights and bustle and red uniforms and terrible children that involve the rest that are involved in the rest of the scene. And there's that damn ADR when that kid puts the ice cream in her, where the guy goes, way to go, kid. It's like, what the? <laughs> that's always bothered yeah. me. I had to bring that up because that's always bothered me so much. But yeah, just bad James Cameron. Yeah, like, there's always bad James Cameron in every James Cameron movie. So that's your bad James Cameron. The dissonance that happens in James Cameron movies, just out of nowhere, usually in the form of dialogue, mm-hmm. is amazing and it has never stopped i mean it is it is his use of dialogue the genius of it is it always places you exactly where he wants to place you within the narrative the bad news is you know you're being placed exactly where he wants you in the middle of the narrative you know it's just it's amazing i told you i I mentioned to you that (laughs) that moment where she wakes up and says i was dreaming about dogs and he's like we use them to spot Terminators. And it's like, why? Why did you... At that point, it was like, uh, somebody maybe should have told you that that was completely unnecessary. But anyway, it just always... That moment always cracks me up because it feels so heavy-handed. But again, bad James Cameron. 
Yeah, Terminator to me is a movie of highs and lows where the highs are like all these great moments of spectacle and action and and sort of new ways to think of stuff or think around stuff. And then every single low is just a hokey line that I'm like, why am I watching this movie? Mm -hmm. And yet he's always able to guess top it with spectacle. Mm -hmm. Because he's a master of that. Like he, yeah, uh, yeah. I think if you're the, a, a true master at something, like I think he is a true master of spectacle filmmaking. Even when I don't like his film, whatever film it is, that much. I mean, I'm not going to argue that the spectacle of Titanic is something. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Um, it's going to outweigh. That's just going to outweigh the hokey enough. I think for most people, for me, some of it's a little hard, harder to handle. I need the. I need less hokey. Like in my. I need my aliens level of hokey where it's kind of appropriate and not as present and you got a really great lead performance that's basically never hokey and uh but your 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 true lies boy i know some people are gonna go what you know like your true lies is really hard to swallow man that movie is real hokey i don't ever want to see avatar and avatar yeah. that's that's a whole other ball game odie do you have any final thoughts we probably should wrap this up um no, I mean, since I brought up Streets of Fire, I just keep thinking about it and how I enjoyed both of these so much more. Um, and that definitely demonstrates sort of the line, right, of how much spectacle can outweigh bad dialogue. But I think both of both The Hidden and The Terminator are well behind that, where the spectacle is definitely good. The spectacle in Terminator is definitely good enough. The dialogue in The Hidden is not it doesn't get quite so deeply as hokey and as bad. Um, and they're both just really, really cool, nice little time capsules to me. It's like uh, watching a movie I've never been to before. I have to ask about Streets of Fire. Did you, uh, were you on the ride at all? Or how, how fast did you check, check out? Because the back half of that movie is really rough. Once they get Ellen, I think that movie is just interminable till we get to the sledgehammer fight and something it wasn't really worth the wait when we get there i was checked out until willem dafoe showed up on screen and only when willem dafoe is on screen am i checked into streets of fire he's amazing in it he really he he was the thing everybody remembered he had that one-two punch he did that and then he did um to live and die in la and everybody was was really astounded it, it, it it's it's like there's a good movie i believe there's a good movie there somewhere um, but sometimes it just, it, it's so much in its own way. If there's a good movie in Streets of Fire, somebody else wrote it and called it something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, that's a great 80s note to, to end on. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, is there anywhere anybody should be looking for you or finding you or you tweeting or Instagram? Look for me on Instagram, odi.mdo. Um, and if you want to know my thoughts about things, DM me and I will decide if you can unlock my Twitter account or not. Um, oh, you know what? Follow me on Letterboxd too. My um, at is pure rhetoric. John? Um, I would just say we got a lot more stuff coming up over at our Patreon page. So if you want to go over to patreon.com forward slash alien minutes and subscribe there um, I think we got some more commentaries coming down uh, we'll be doing more stuff over there so if you want to check that out come over and subscribe and I should also mention 007 by 7 eventually yeah. starting to go through the Bond films 7 in 7 minute chunks yeah. 
Can't do it one minute at a no. time, but seven minutes <laughs> seems about yes, right. Yes, it does. It's something about that seven, number seven. I don't know what it is, uh, but seems right for James Bond. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us, and thanks to the guests for being here. Thank you, Odie. Thanks, Odie. So See you soon. Having.